But um, you, those of you who are, have been attending, we all know we're in this process right now of connecting us with the community, with the church, those around us, and recognizing that we're, we're just kind of a flavor of, of what the church is, and we are joining in the mission of all the churches throughout Warsaw. So we're praying for a different church each week, and this week we're praying for Mike Hans, Pastor Mike Hans at Pleasant View Bible Church. Um, he and his wife, Marta, he's got an eight-year-old daughter, Eliana, and a five-year-old daughter, Emily. Um, I sent um, Mike a message earlier this week just asking if there's something specific that we can pray for, and he wrote me back and said, maybe the most obvious thing we're in the midst of is a search for an associate pastor. Um, so in the search, they have a couple of potential candidates they're in contact with, but we desire God's will and clear wisdom for our pursuit. Um, so absolutely, church, let's, let's raise up Pleasant View Bible Church this morning. Um, God, we are grateful for all the different colors and uniqueness of every individual and every congregation. The way that you pull together your creation for your glory is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we are thankful that Warsaw has Pleasant View Bible Church. We are grateful that this county can experience you through their mission. We ask that you would bless them as they're working to make disciples for your kingdom. And we ask this morning that you give leadership their wisdom and guidance. And the same as this associate pastor that you have in mind for that church. That you would make it clear that there are no reservations. That they will be effective in their mission together. God, we ask just bring bring more of this. Bring more of your church in your son's name. Amen. So, uh, if anyone doesn't know me, my name is Dave Grant, and um, Tom is in Russia this week. He'll be back next week, and he'll give us an update. He was texting me this morning, uh, sent me a picture of a worship service going on over there. Um, they sh- I'm guessing they're over now. It was at like 5 a.m. So, uh, Tom, we miss you. We're praying for you. He, it is being recorded. He's going to hear it. It's just, I'm not like, I don't believe he's right here or something. Um, but <laughs> um, we are... Um, We are excited by what he's learning. If you're not familiar, Russia is one of our partner ministries with Vineyard. As as we work with the Vineyard um, churches in Russia to give them support, prayer, uh, financial, and help them to succeed um, in an area where there aren't many of them. um, And resources are, are difficult. So it's an exciting thing that we get to partner with them on the other side of the world. Um, just before I get going into this, I was telling Tom that um, what I'm going to speak on today is, is a bit of a challenge. Um, and you'll understand a little bit more, but even just personally. So if you don't mind, I just want to pray once more as we get into this. And just to give you a little heads up, um, this is kind of a teaching week. So um, I'm going to do my best to be clear, but we might kind of push through. So you just need to hang on with me. Is that okay? Just hang on for the ride and we'll, we'll get through this together. It's an important thing. So let's, let's pray again. Um, God, um, please give clarity. Um, we want only your truth to be spoken, that the scriptures would um, communicate to us and the Holy Spirit would work in unison with that and we can understand more deeply what the kingdom of God is and how you call us to be a part of it. Um, bless our time and move us into that place so we experience and encounter more of you. In your son's name, amen. Thank you. So, we're going to move on to the next slide. Oh, I'm not going to get political. Don't worry. Um, the, 
These are the official presidential pictures for these two guys and uh, our president and uh, former president. And um, maybe if you felt a little bit like, oh, where's he going the moment that this went on the screen, that might be a little indication that my point is accurate, that there is a lot of struggle and just craziness that went on through the transition from President Obama to President Trump. Do we agree with that? Okay, so last year, um, you know, Trump's running and leading up into the presidency, there's a lot of mud that was being slung back and forth. Who is more equipped to be able to lead our country? Um, Man, and it got nasty. And then after, that continued on even after elections were closed and the president-elect is preparing his team, preparing the budget and beginning to move into the point where he is inaugurated in this past January. And um, I, I just know, even still, there's a lot of people talking about how this is the most divided our country has ever been. And um, that might be true, but also these weird kind of transitions of power that take place and occasionally get ugly and messy. This isn't the first time this has happened. So this might be encouragement, or it might might not be so much. I don't know. The next slide here. Anyone recognize these two people? I can't hear you. Andrew Jackson and the other? The rain is answering. Uh, John Quincy Adams. So 1824, Andrew Jackson is running for presidency, and so is uh, John Quincy Adams. And John Quincy Adams, um, it's the Jacksonians who followed Andrew Jackson, they accused him of making a behind-closed-doors deal called uh, the Krupp Bargain that guaranteed that he was going to be the next president. That did not make the Jacksonians very happy. And we ended up with a lot of really, really nasty stuff as leading into the next four years into the next election. Andrew Jackson is running. The mud is flying. It's getting nasty. I'm just going to get more uh, more loud throughout the morning, I think. Um, so um, what's happening is uh, the, uh, the John Quincy Adams people are coming after Andrew Jackson saying, you're a closet Caesar. You're going to take our country down. And they're accusing his wife of of some awful things about her relationship with other men in the community. It got so bad that she ended up dying because of the stress throughout this whole campaign. Messy, messy stuff. So Andrew Jackson won the, uh, the election. And now you've got the, the president-elect who's looking forward to Inauguration Day in the middle of all this mess and trouble. And as they're moving into the time for the inauguration, the Jacksonians are concerned that Andrew Jack, uh, John Quincy Adams is going to continue in all the nastiness that he had done before. So they all come in and raid on, on, on Inauguration Day into the White House. They're pushing on the door. The ones that can't get in, they break through the window and are climbing into the White House just to make sure nothing crazy happens. They're getting mud all over the carpet, destroyed it all. They broke all the china. It got so bad that Andrew Jackson, the one they're there to celebrate, he had to get out of there before he was injured in the process. And so that's just the beginning is he takes his presidency and he comes in, he's got to clean up the White House now, both literally and figuratively. So um, he comes in, John Quincy Adams' team, they all thought their jobs were secure. And Andrew Jackson says, nope, we're starting over, cleaning it all out. Everyone got fired. So the John Quincy Adams folks now are terribly upset that this new president, they said that George Washington had predicted the fall of the Union and it's now come with this guy. Well, we're still here, so that wasn't the fall of the Union. He actually won the next presidency pretty well. Um, but that's, that was pretty rough, huh? So 
Pretty hard stuff, but actually I want to talk about one more awkward transition of power that is worse than either of the last two. Um, Painful, difficult transition of power. These two people. Um, (laughs) So Mara found these photos online, uh, so we all know that's what Jesus looks like. But this is maybe like sultry Satan. I don't know. Um, but there is, a, there is a transition of power that we are experiencing and we are in the middle of. And we use a word, uh, a set of words, the kingdom of God, to describe some of the things that, that we're looking forward to. But there's this period of transition that hurts us now. And that's really what I want to talk about today. The thing is, I don't want the kingdom of God, when we talk about this, to be one of those churchy words. We can't let that happen. And the reason is because it's a central belief for Branches Vineyard Church. The kingdom of God is at the core, not only of branches, but as vineyard as a whole. This is very important for us because it's more of a, it's a complete way of thinking about the gospel. And what I mean by that is not in any way to reduce the value, purpose, and beauty of the cross. The cross is the centerpiece of all of this. But Jesus, the gospel as savior is not complete without the message of God. We'll get into that more, but just, just so we're clear that cross is, is important. It's more like the, it's the how, but the kingdom of God is the why. That's what we're going to see. The second reason this is important is it directs our personal lives and it's how we at branches, we accomplish our mission. So you've got the kingdom of God that we're going to talk about. And for us to understand that we need to understand a little bit of where we are, uh, first, where we come from, where we are, and then where we're going. And we are in this central time in history that we call in Vineyard the now and the not yet. So in order to tell you a little bit about that, I want to kind of back up through history. We're just going to tiptoe through this really quickly, all the way back to the, the creation in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are there in relationship with God, and then they sin. And at the point that they sin, we have the inauguration of sultry Satan. He's coming to rule on his world, in, his, in this world. This is, um, he's not really sultry, just we'll forget that picture ever existed. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. This is Satan's platform as he comes in to rule in this world. We're just going to roll with this whole presidency, candidacy kind of thing throughout this, just to give us a picture of how to understand that. So he comes into his role as president of this world, ruling this world, coming and using that strategy to blind Adam and Eve from their ability to see the glory of God, and they choose to turn away. They take God off the throne of their heart, and they put themselves there. They make themselves God. They sin and separate, and we have the rule of Satan in this world. However, behind closed doors, some kind of cosmic, um, I don't know, Koch brothers type meeting, the righteous brothers will say. Um, so they're, they're getting it together and they're saying, okay, right now, Satan's got this, okay? He's going to have his rule for a while. But even as God is communicating to Adam and Eve what the fallout is of their sin, um, he's saying, the serpent will strike the heel And the heel will crush the head of the serpent, saying, All right, Satan, you've got your time, but this will come to an end. We have, we've got our man. We are going to change this thing. We're going to turn this world upside down, make it right again um, through what is coming. So we have our first glimpse at our next campaign. And over time, the nation of Israel, God promises to them, It's through you 
then I'm going to set the world right again. I'm going to make good on my promise. I'm going to bless all nations through the nation of Israel. And at times, whether they deserved it or not, he's demonstrating his love and concern for them as he sets them free from bondage, from slavery, gives them all that they need, and continues to promise, I'm going to take you into a land flowing with milk and honey, one that I reign in, one that is good, one that is restored in our relationship with you. And along the way, these uh, prophets come, and I kind of feel like they're like glorified marketers. They're coming out early, and they're not talking about a particular candidate, but they are sitting and saying, there's a problem in this current reign of Satan, but there's a better way to think about it. As they're calling the nation of Israel back, come into relationship with God, he's going to make things right again. And then, so that leaves the nation of Israel in, um, even up into, into Jesus' time under Roman rule, crying out to God, make good on your promise, come, looking for a Messiah figure that the prophets had communicated with them, who was going to come and rule in this kingdom that God had promised for them. So the, the kingdom of God idea is all the way through history, all the way through the Old Testament, and then what we get is something different happens in the New Testament. We have a, um, a news leak. Uh, to the angels who are like the uh, the media. And they come out and they announce to the shepherds, the Messiah has come and everything is going to change in that part. We're going to move into what we call the reign of Christ, the reign and the rule of Christ, an important time for us because at this point we start to see who God's man is. We start to see who the Messiah is. So um, just before Jesus announces his candidacy, first he is, um, he, he is introduced by John the Baptist who is going around and he's preaching. And in Matthew 3, 2, we see what he's preaching. He's preaching, repent of your sins and turn from God. And here's the gospel message that he gives. For the kingdom of God is near. And as Jesus walks by, John the Baptist baptizes baptizes Jesus. As Jesus comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes, descends on him, rests on him like a dove. And we hear God say, this is our man. This is the one we are putting on the ticket. This is the Messiah. His candidacy is announced in an amazing way. And uh, later on in Mark 1, 14 through 15, we see that again, Jesus was arre- as John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God had come at last. He announced the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe in the good news. But not only do we find that Jesus is announcing that the kingdom of God is here and saying it's here in me, but he comes demonstrating at the same time the kingdom of God. We see a pattern throughout the Gospels where as he says the kingdom of God is here, he is healing people. The blind receive sight. People are raised from the dead. Demons are cast out. There's one story where he's coming and dealing with this demon, a boy who's possessed by the demon, and he speaks to it. The demon is terrified of him. He casts him out, and the people ask, by what power and authority are you doing this? You must be in league with Satan, the ruler of this world. And Jesus' response is to think, think about this for a minute. How is it a kingdom divided against itself can't stand? There's no way that they can be so afraid that I can have this kind of cow, power over them and be on their team. In fact, he says in Matthew 12, 28, but if I'm casting out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. This is the pattern. And that's what we need to understand when we think about the kingdom of God. The, the, all, the now and the not yet is Jesus' message. The pattern that we see is the kingdom of God is announced and the kingdom of God is also demonstrated 
by his presence here of the future coming, the not yet, the world that God promised that all things would be made right again as we invite the kingdom of God through the message of the gospel that the kingdom of God is here, the Holy Spirit comes and through Jesus, we have that power. We have that ability to experience the kingdom's reign and rule now in our lives. And Jesus didn't do this on his own. He starts stumping and he's gathering all of his, uh, his supporters who come alongside with them, and he teaches them, go and preach the kingdom of God. He teaches them what the kingdom of God is by telling them stories, these parables, so they understand clearly. And then he tasks them, first the 12, and then the 72. And he says in Matthew ten seven, go and announce to them that the kingdom of God is near. And as these disciples go, they're doing the exact same thing. That was the charge that Jesus gave, that they're going preaching the gospel, and along the way they are healing people, they're casting out demons, the kingdom of God yet to come is breaking into our world right now, the rule and reign of Christ taking place, this is the messy transition that we see going on, that Satan is still in charge here, we haven't even had the election yet, but already this kingdom of God is being revealed, and mud is being slung here, okay, we're starting to see that, and um, What we find in all of these examples is there is a direct relationship between the presence of the kingdom of God and divine healing. Um, That's the pattern that we see over and over and over again throughout this. Uh, Here's another example. Luke 10, 9 through 12 says, Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now, but if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into the streets and say, wipe even the, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show you that we have abandoned you to your fate and know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than this town in the day of judgment. This is the fighting words. This is the back and forth of the two kingdoms struggling against each other during that transition. The now and the not yet. Revealed as we preach the gospel of the good news of the kingdom of God, come now. Healing uh, the disease, casting out demons, revealing the future kingdom. Now, Satan's powers are are, um, diminished. Demons flee. It's messy. So after this, Jesus is arrested and the polls are opened. Um, Every ballot is being cast. Every vote is being cast as his, his hands and his feet are nailed to the cross. And in his last breath, the ballot boxes, the polling stations all close. There's a winner, but um, Florida needs to recount again. So there's three days that we wait before we find who won this election. As the stone rolls away and Jesus raises from the dead, he reveals himself in his great acceptance speech that he has conquered sin through the cross And the kingdom of God is in fact coming. His reign and rule takes place now. Satan is defeated. He is now the lame duck on his way out. But the problem is that the kingdom of God that's yet to come hasn't come in its fullness yet. We still have this transition period that takes place. And uh, we get a little bit of a picture all throughout scripture again what that place is going to look like and how we know that it's not right now is because we don't see these things yet. So here's uh, one passage, Isaiah 35.10. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing 
crowned with everlasting joy, sorrow and mourning will disappear forever. They will be filled with joy and gladness. So back in the day, in the Old Testament, the prophets were talking about this coming future kingdom of glory. All things are made right and good. But also we have at the end of our book in Revelation, the same picture of the things to come. Revelation 21.5 says, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. Okay, what does that look like? Well, just the verse before 21.4, he said, we will wipe every tear from their eyes. And and, uh, there will be no more death, sorrow, crying, or pain. All things are gone forever. That's the the future kingdom of God. We are not there yet. We are in the now, where we experience the rule and reign of Christ comes when we preach the gospel of the good news of the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit comes and does his thing, working to inject that kingdom now. So, what does it mean uh, for God's kingdom to come now? Now, remember, every time Jesus taught, Signs and miracles and wonders followed him. Christ's children were raised from the dead. Lepers were cleansed from their disease. The lame walked. The blind were given sight. Multitudes were fed with just tiny bits of food. Um, Prostitutes uh, received mercy and kindness. Arrogant religious leaders were rebuked for their lack of compassion. The poor were treated with dignity as fellow image bearers of God. Women were, um, were afforded equal dignity with men. Compassion was sown to beggars and thieves. The hand of God was touching the world as God was confirming the kingdom of God come now. And then Jesus commissioned his disciples to do the exact thing. And when we look at Jesus' teaching, when we look at his charge to his leaders, there's nothing in that as vineyard that makes us think that the charge to us is any different. That there's a different time coming where that, that isn't happening. And, and the, the problem is, when we start to think about our world, um, there's some confusion about okay, I want to believe that what, what's there is true, but sometimes we don't experience it exactly the same way it seems to say there. So um, to resolve that to some degree, and to be honest to Scripture, people try to think about what, what it means to be in this now and not yet, what it means to be in the place where we are now. And so this pendulum swings, and on one side, you've got people that say, the kingdom of God is here now in its full, fullness. So that means we can pray for anything and God will heal. God will do everything now. The kingdom's here now completely. The problem with that is if you take that position, you start to have to answer questions of why did someone not get healed when they pray? And the danger can be there's a a finger pointing going on that your faith wasn't great enough or some other problem with you. And that's just not what we believe that Jesus was saying. Or we could go the other way and we could say, um, nope, I reject that any of this happens in our world. All of that's yet to come. Um, And we also, we at Vineyard, we believe that we are dead somewhere in the center. That we're in the point of this tension. Of these two kingdoms transitioning. The now and the not yet. And it's really important for us to understand that because it does help us to understand the difficult questions that come around in this life. Um, starting with how we participate as the church, but also what, why do good th- bad things happen to good people? Why do people die? Why are my prayers not answered? The kingdom of God gives us a framework to deal with the tension and the pain of this transition of kingdoms that is taking place. So today, what I want to be able to do is give a couple suggestions, tips for how we as a church, we can move into a place where we in, in, uh, encounter and we engage with the kingdom of God. So first... Um, I think about, uh, a lot of times people will ask me, and I have the same questions too, is like, why is it that I don't feel God? Why is it that I'm not seeing these things happen? I want it, but I'm not seeing it happen around me. 
And I think about someone who goes to the doctor and says, doctor, I am unhealthy. I am not in good shape. I can't do the things that I want to do and I can't figure out how to get there. And the doctor looks at him and says, okay, well, what are you doing to take care of your body? Are you eating the right things? Are you exercising? Are you actually doing the things that are required in order for you to be healthy? And I wonder sometimes if, if maybe we're not seeing God reveal himself. Maybe we're not experiencing the Holy Spirit in these ways because we're not actually doing the things we need to be doing to be inviting the, whole, the kingdom to be engaging in our world. Um, so that's what I want to give us, a little, a little idea of the things we can do. The first thing we need to do is are we asking for the Holy Spirit? Are we even asking that he would come? We do that in our worship services. We're really intentional to lead with this come Holy Spirit language. And that is an invitation for the kingdom of God to come. That's exactly what Jesus taught us when he gave us the Lord's Prayer, when he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's an invitation for the kingdom of God to come into this world, engage with us now. Are we looking for it at all? The second thing we need to, or are we asking for the kingdom of God? The second thing we need to do is we, we need to look for it. Sounds like there's something going on, huh? Um, we are going to be safe, I think. Um, so looking for the kingdom of God. Here's what I think about when I think about this. Um, here's a picture of a, of a game on my phone called AR Basketball. Do you guys know what AR is? Augmented reality. So that basketball hoop does not exist in reality. It's all that this app does is it uses its, its cameras and it finds flat spaces where you can place this virtual basketball hoop and you can move around this thing in 3D space and then you can shoot basketballs into it. It's pretty cool. Here's another one. Um, this is, uh, obviously, it's not a real dinosaur. Um, the, the app does the same thing, is that it, it creates this, this augmented reality where dinosaurs exist and are walking among our homes. And um, this is interesting because through our phones, through our devices, we can look at something that doesn't exist. But what if we had a device that does the opposite, that actually shows us the reality that's going around, on around us, that we, particularly in our Western culture, I think that we tend to reject all things that are spiritual that are taking place. And that may in itself be why we don't see those things. Um, so um, the, the value of having those, remember what Satan's platform was that blind us of the, the righteousness and the glory of God. What if those blinders were taken free and we actually saw that there is a battle going around, on around us in a spiritual dimension? Ephesians 6.12 says, We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. This gets... If we had our blinders taken off and we could see it, this is where we can really find it can get messy. It can get scary. But I think that is the place where the Holy Spirit can engage with us in the kingdom of God. It can be experienced. Um, but it leaves us in this place of tension because now we see God engaging with our world. But we also, and we know that victory is already complete, but Satan is still ruling now in this now and not yet place. And this is something that has been happening in the church. Hebrews eleven thirty three through 35 says, this is the 
this is the kingdom of God coming into our world first, engaging with us. Supernatural, amazing things happen. By faith, those people overthrew kingdoms. This is the great cloud of witness, or people who came before us in our faith. They ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and pulled whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from the de- from death. But here's the not yet. Others were tortured, refused to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. That's what happens when the veil is lifted and we can see the actual reality going on. Is now we can understand that we are in a place where Satan has impacted this world. His rule makes things painful. It makes things difficult in a way it never should have been for our experiences as people. But God, because of our sin and turning away, has made a plan to turn that all upside down. And we start to get to see his work now, yet we still experience pain. But we have a framework now to understand that in the future, this will all be made right again. What is coming is better than the today. And now all of a sudden when we see pain and suffering. And we invite the Holy Spirit to heal the people that we love. Um, It helps us understand why sometimes that doesn't happen. Because we're still in the not yet. But we also know that when it does happen, we celebrate that. And beyond that, we're in a place where we recognize that our response to all of this is also the rule and reign of the kingdom of God injecting itself into our world. So when we see someone mourning, that we come alongside of them as members of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God reigns at that point. It hurts. It's a struggle in that place of transition. There's a, there's a big, difficult place. But the kingdom of God helps us to understand how to look at these things. <clears throat> um, trying to think of... So I mentioned earlier that this impacts how we look at the, at the gospel. My last point is that in order for us to engage with the kingdom, a kingdom of God. Um, but before I get there, let's think about how, what the impacts are of this. Is, um, I don't know about you, but growing up, I always heard the gospel was, Jesus died for my sins, he rose again, and he went to heaven, he will return, and through him my sins are forgiven. And I have a relationship with him. Is that kind of what we've, that's what we've heard? It's the gospel. It's great news. It's all 100% true. Uh, I remember Victor in his baptism video. I don't have to go down to there. Um, that's, that's wonderful. It's beautiful. But the pattern that we see through scripture, enabled by that work on the cross that Jesus did to have victory over sin, to inaugurate his rule on this world, looking forward to how he will even accomplish the kingdom in the future, the pattern that he gave us, the call that he gave us, is to preach the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God now into this world, which includes the cross. The cross is at the center of that. But I just wonder, church, if we're, we're out there trying to do the mission of, of, of branches and we're not giving the full gospel. Maybe we don't see the Holy Spirit engage in this world because we're not inviting him at all. We're not asking him. We're not looking for him. And as we go, what we're saying is only part of the truth. 
but we haven't come to people to say, the kingdom of God is now, it's coming, it sets us free from healing and suffering now. Do you want to move into that place? Let me tell you about how that's possible. That's the message of the gospel. That's the message of the kingdom of God and why it's so important for us to understand that as we go, as we do this, I'm going to go back one slide. It's important for us to understand that every miracle, every act of justice and compassion is pointing to the future day when God would completely set this world right side up again. I love that. Um, Every act of physical healing, every act of forgiveness, every action addressing poverty, all of these things are just a picture of the things that are to come. But in order for us to participate, to get on with it, to get on board with the kingdom of God, we need to be inviting that kingdom of God to come and engage with us now. That's getting on board. That is how we engage with the kingdom of God. So are we praying for the kingdom of God? Are we looking for the kingdom of God? And are we getting on board with the kingdom of God? That's how we're going to see this thing happen. That's the whole purpose of Branches Vineyard. And I want to invite you to do that. We, we do this um, ministry time at the end of all of our services. And, uh, It's always an interesting thing because every one of us need prayer. Every one of us are in some place in our our development of our relationship with God and growth process, and we could use family to come alongside and help us to get to the next step. Most of us don't do it, right? I have a guitar to hide behind, so I don't have to come and do that. It's not true. If I need prayer, I need to come forward. That's how we're going to make this happen. So I want to encourage you, whether you're at the stage where you need to be asking for the kingdom of God, where you need to change your heart and have those blinders lifted so you can actually see the kingdom of God and understand what God is calling us to. Um, maybe you're at a point where you, you're just new to the idea of the gospel, or maybe you've rejected it in the past, and you've not come to a place where you fully understand the impact of the cross to change all of this world, to change your life for eternity, and bring us into this beautiful kingdom that we're talking about. Come during this time as the band comes forward, and then church, just want to encourage us as we go. We need to get on board with this kingdom of God. That's what we're here for. Can we do that? I mean, as we go from this place, participate first in the Slash Worship song. We're going to do a little bit of a celebration song. I saw, saw the list that uh, Mara put together this week, and I thought, wow, Mara, we're ending on a big one. Um, this is an, uh, an excited song as we, as we are asking God, Holy Spirit, come, bring the kingdom of God now. So church, can we make a commitment that we're going to get on board with this last song? It doesn't matter if we don't like it or whatever, the, the music, the stylings or whatever, all of that is inconsequential to the message of the kingdom of God coming now, the invitation of the Holy Spirit to act and our opportunity to get on board with it. We commit to that in our last song, and as we go, we want to see the message of branches come. Now let's pray.